1: Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of Ausbiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening.
0: From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. It is the 8th of April. Great to be here with you on this Thursday. This is the COB. I'm Nadine Blaney and here with me today, who is it? It's Annette Beecher. How are you, Annette?
1: Oh, I'm doing very well. Another sea of green just puts a spring in your step, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Just though. (laughs) I mean, thin trade.
0: It's a bit holiday-ish out there. Still, we were just chatting guests, Boy, trying to on find the ground on a Friday,
1: <laughs> trying to find people for tomorrow. It's extraordinary. I hope the weather keeps up for all those people enjoying a super long Easter break. Yeah, I hear that it was beautiful weather
0: outside today
1: in Sydney, and it's expected to be hot tomorrow. But,
0: anyways, we are getting away from what happened on the market today. Uh, the headline generator was the good old S and P ASX 200, which surpassed that seven thousand mark. 13-month high, first time since February 2020, five-day winning streak done and dusted.
1: Uh, To me, it seems like it's for good reasons that may not persist. Just the reason I say that is, uh, as we know, the markets are really rattled by the jump in bond yields in in recent weeks. It felt like every equity strategist suddenly had to talk about bonds. And with the market consolidating there in fixed income space, I just think it's given the equity market a bit of a tailwind. So long may it last. The market is 2.8% away from a pre
0: COVID record high. So, if we continue to see the miners coming to the party, the iron ore miners did really well for the market today. The banks as well. Don't forget we're heading into bank reporting season. I mean, it looks as if uh, we are set up for another strong day. Tomorrow, I don't anticipate there will be any surprises in terms of the jobless rate. We don't think that Jay Powell will make a misstep <laughs> and set markets on fire in uh, anything that he says through his uh, remarks overnight. So really, it would take something, uh, just a real souring of sentiment to knock.
1: To knock sort of this momentum that we're seeing in Australia at least off. Yeah, I I think uh, you're right. The only thing really on the docket tonight is Jay Powell, who will stick to that uh, well-rehearsed patience speech. And even if we get strong data from the US overnight, uh, that seems to be readily accepted Mm -hmm. now. uh, That used to rattle the bond market, and we've seen in the last week or so that is not the case. So we might be in for a cruisy Friday, although now and again you do get a really good morning and just take a bit of money off the table in the afternoon so let's see when we speak this time tomorrow in terms of what's happening I'll just jump in quickly in macro world we did have the RBA speak on Tuesday and they didn't really give much away in terms of financial stability I know this is for the pointy heads but tomorrow will be the financial stability report it comes out twice a year the RBA runs the ruler over every single institution under its remit. It'll be looking at lending standards. It'll be looking at risks in the system. And just given that we're all a bit nervous about the pace of house price inflation and whether the punch bowl gets taken away, there will be nuggets in this report just to let us know what's going on there. That's that's true. Uh, I mean, this has been one of the hallmarks of this week is this ongoing
0: debate about the RBA, its mandate, whether it needs reviewed, has Phil Lowe. Missed his KPIs. I mean, it's a very basic way of putting it, isn't it, when you talk KPIs. Um, but he, f- he only has one, really. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, but he's here for the next, well, next few years, isn't it? Yeah, 2023,
1: yeah. seven-year term.
0: But he's open to to some sort of a... A review, correct?
1: Yes. Now, he's, he is on the record saying that, you know, he's he won't rule out a review. But at the time, he said, let's put the pandemic in the rearview mirror. But as someone who's sat through many a public review, by the time you invite submissions, you go through them, you make recommendations, the pandemic will be in the rearview mirror by then. So, just mm-hmm. just call it and get the machinations going.
0: In uh, some of your show notes, we've got a number of interviews that do give you a few um, stock tips. And uh, we spoke with Omkar Joshi, for example. He talks about a bit of give back coming from the retail discretionary retail space as we see travel stocks take off. That's obviously a focal point as this travel bubble gets underway. Um, But I'd like to get to the stock of the day. That's Immutemp. IMM is the ticker code. It saw pretty good gains today up by about 12%. It looks as if one of its drugs has been given the green light for, by the US FDA for fast track designation. I sat down with uh, Rudy Philippek van Dijk from FN Arena and Scott Phillips from the Motley Fool earlier, earlier today to find out what they think about Immutem.
1: Most of the news is already priced in here. The question for us is now the market knows what it knows, you've then got to re handicap the future again on the back of the information we already have. And I have to say, that's a really, really hard task. I'm giving this one a miss. I know it's a, it's a cop-out, but I just don't think you, without earnings, without a, frankly, even a product, without revenues, you can reasonably assess a value for this, let alone how big, how widespread it might be. The, the
0: most important thing here is that you can't predict what comes next. It's simply impossible, not even management at the company. Of course, they're confident, but they don't really know what, what happens next year. And so there's a complete different way of, of investing essentially, and um, and I think the, the key the key important part to remember here it's risk, and and yes you need to, you need to take on risk when you put your money in the share market, but there are gradations in the risk that you take, and for me I totally agree with uh, with, with uh, Scott this is way too much risk for me. That is not going in the portfolio. As Rudy said, it is a concept. It is not a company still, though. Plenty of investors out there liking it. They like the story. Biotechs are notoriously difficult, but look, some of them will be successful. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, share price up by about 13% today. But it, it, it is risky business.
1: Nothing wrong with risky business. We had a nice chat about uranium this afternoon. That was – that's a stock that unfortunately uranium just comes with Chernobyl and Fukushima. Like the fact that these things happen once every 30 years still puts that sector on a bit of a dampener. But hey, ESG. ESG, clean, green. And I think that that's –
0: just going back to the biotech space. I mean we need people doing that type of work because ultimately it will benefit us all if if cancer treatments get off the ground and this is what immutemp is doing so yeah i'm not i'm not reviewing uh, biotechs in general at all or medical sciences life sciences just look what's happened uh, in terms of the vaccine and how quickly that got going uh and that you know concern you were speaking with Sol s earlier today about mm-hmm. international borders because the astrazeneca i mean i, I kind of don't know what to think about it I'm, there will always be some cases of negative outcomes when you're rolling out a program like this but of course I wouldn't want to be the one uh, that gets blood clots uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a tough, tough one, one.
1: It, it is a tough one and anyone who has ever flipped through a, a magazine developed from the US whenever they advertise a drug it feels like it comes with five yeah. pages of disclaimers uh, and I don't see why it, these vaccines are any different different mm-hmm. if you actually listed everything that could go wrong you probably wouldn't take it but that's not the point the point is it's a two percent risk you know and but as you say do you want it do you want your family well, taking it it's, it's a also tough one. it's
0: just headline generating right and it's forcing yeah. the government to come out on the defense for the vaccine that they've secured for the nation which you just hope doesn't set the whole vaccine program back because we want we want to get past the threat of these mm. lockdowns. We want borders to open up. And in fact, we need borders to open up. Saul, what did he say not until well, 2022? Saul
1: yes. had an interesting uh, scenario. And of course, you can't rule out any scenario at this uncertain stage. But he said if the borders are shut for another 12 months, by definition, that is billions of dollars within within our own economy that will continue to be spent. So that is still housing, consumer. And what it also means is there's no fresh labour coming in either. Mm -hmm. And so the chance of the unemployment rate plummeting far faster than the RBA expects means we could see a cash rate response far sooner than the 2024 that the RBA is talking about now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) reverberations, implications. Uh, Look, the story is still being written. Okay. Tomorrow, we've got Sergei Nazarov. He is the CEO of Smart Contract. We'll be talking DeFi. If you don't know what it is, you (laughs) need to. Blockchain, uh, coins, everything besides. That's to kick things off just for for a little... uh, little levity at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, we've got Todd Warren, head of research, Tribeca Investment Partners. I always appreciate chatting with him. He's heavy into the commodity space. Maybe we'll bring uranium up with him again tomorrow it's as well. Uh, we are also going to be speaking with Brian Hartzer, former CEO of Westpac at 3 o'clock p.m. He has written a book. have a good chat with Look him. Look forward to that. Post to uh, Hain Royal Commission and all of the pain that Westpac is still going through in regards to that Austrack. Uh, incident. Um, Shane Oliver, Head of
1: Investment Strategy, always rounds good. up the week. Round yes. out the week. And then we've got the last call, which kicks off at four. And, of course, we didn't have the last call last week being Good Friday. We've got uh, Matt Hassan, who's our – uh, Westpac expert on all things property. You can never get enough property talk on a Friday afternoon over a cool beverage. I think Adam Dawes is popping in. Adam Dawes,
0: Steve Johnson. Uh, Look, the list is long. Gemma Dale will be there. We've got John Lykos from Bond Advisor. We've got a special guest, a former Olympian. We also will be talking gin just to we will. get you ready for the can. It
1: has a real ant in it. I said, well, oh, I'm really? queuing up for that.
0: You like <laughs> your gin, don't you? I do. Don't mind a little G&T. Okay, uh, we better get our sleep tonight then. <laughs> and that have a good one. I'll see you tomorrow. See you not. See you tomorrow.